Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Rob Rossi filling in for Adam Crowley here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Follow us on the Twitter machine at ESPN Radio PGH. And follow yourself and others. Unless you're a loser, then just follow the others. Probably didn't invite you. The point is, get down here to Carson City Saloon on the south side. $2 for any draft beer. $5 for appetizers. And that's up until 7 p.m. And if you stick with us here on ESPN Pittsburgh until 7, you will be taken right in to Robert Morris Colonials Hockey. So we got it covered for you. I'm in for Adam until then, though. And I do got to give a plug out to something I'm involved in, and it's a good cause. Uh, it, it is in support of the Special Olympics of Western Pennsylvania. It's the annual Polar Plunge. Um, I will be part of it on February 24th. If you follow me on the social media, at Rob or excuse me, at real underscore Rob Rossi, or on the Facebook. Um, I have no idea what I'm on Facebook. Probably Rob Rossi. But I've been sharing this uh, info. Uh, it's the Polar Plunge. Check it out. It Again, all proceeds go to the Special Olympics uh, Western Pennsylvania chapter. It's a great event to help uh, wonderful athletes, wonderful kids. Uh, I got to meet some of them last year. And I got to say... You don't think, now in my case I was pushed, but it was about two degrees of the wind chill when I went into the water last year. You don't think it's going to be fun. And I'm not sure I would say it's fun, but it's pretty nice. Like, you come out of that feeling like a million bucks because you're frozen. Like, you don't have any swelling, you don't have any of that, you don't feel any pain. It's sort of like shocking your system. So, uh, it's not too late to start raising money and, and shock your own system. And by the way, where else would you want to be when the giant sunball comes and attacks the earth like we said it was going to last hour than jumping into an icy cold bath of water, right? Like if you're going to die in a terrible fire, you might as well at least be in an icy cold water. Although I guess if it's such a fiery death, you could possibly boil yourself in that situation. I got to stop thinking about the sun crashing into the earth. I'm, like, obsessed with this. I don't know what made me think of this. Oh, yeah, it was the Winter Olympics. It was things I would rather do than watch the Winter Olympics opening ceremony at 6 a.m. live when it aired this morning. And it was engage in the end of mankind. Those ceremonies are so lame. Like, and I know people that love them. Oh, I gotta watch the ceremonies. I gotta watch the ceremonies. The ceremonies are awesome. Watch the Olympics. Like, watch the actual competition. The ceremonies are just a bunch of people waving and carrying flags. Now, sure, this particular ceremony does come with that potential of having, like, a run-in by some angry Russian athlete who wasn't allowed into the games. Which is cool, right? If you just see, like, a Russian, like a, an Ivan Drago-type creature, you know, just run in with, like, a chair and knock one of the Olympic athletes down and, like, like, Viva la Russia! I'm not sure why they would say it in French, a, a Russian term, but still, we'll go with it. Um, and there is that always endearing threat of war between North and South Korea breaking out at the games. But for the most part, 
the, the opening ceremonies are now the closing ceremonies that's where it gets good because you have athletes who are angry with their own performances or failures having to get along with athletes who are potential country teammates who beat them and that's fun that is fun when you can see chaos when you can see jealousy rear its ugly head that's the true olympic spirit people It's just like the Super Bowl, right? Everybody's happy in Philadelphia. They start winning the Super Bowl, and this lasts a week. And then next week, they're all going to want to get paid. They're all going to want to get paid. Those filthy Philadelphia Eagles are going to be like, show me the money. You just know Nick Foles putting on this nice guy act. He's ready to, he's ready to cut the Achilles on Carson Wentz's other foot. Because he's going to get paid if he does that. They're going to have to pay him. Be like, I'm holding out because I just cut your guy's foot and you got nothing. I realize there's some illegalities there and maybe we're stretching the plea. But would it really shock you if, like, the Philadelphia, if the players from Philadelphia, of all cities, aren't they the one most likely to turn on each other and just start, like, backstabbing each other? Or in the case of Philadelphia, just frontstabbing each other? Like, they don't care. They're from Philadelphia. It's not like they have a whole lot of experience in Philadelphia to celebrate championships. Like, they don't know from good in Philadelphia. I mean, think about the history of this city. It was once the capital of the United States and lost. Like, it lost being the capital. Like, that's a loss you just don't recover from. I mean, it's won some championships here and there, but I mean, basically... In the modern age of sports, they have two World Series wins by the Phillies, and this, whatever you want to call it, big deal. Like, they're celebrating one Super Bowl like it's some accomplishment. Like, come on. Like, in Pittsburgh, we vomit up one Super Bowl. Like, it doesn't even, like, the Steelers win a Super Bowl. Actually, it's going to be like, yeah, let's, you got to win two in a row to even get on the radar in Pittsburgh, right? Like, in Pittsburgh, we don't even get that excited about titles until the second one is won. Like, you have to defend it. Wasn't that the whole thing with Sid and Gino last year? You got to win two in a row. Mario and Yager won two in a row. Like, one? Come on. Like, yeah, we might get excited if Pitt won one. And by one, I mean a game. Sorry, cheap shot. I bet Pitt basketball's looking for that fiery ball to crash into the earth, right? They'd shoot it, and it would, like, just clunk. We hit Mars! We didn't mean it, Mars! Kevin Stallings would be upset at Earth for not being able to attract the sun. Uh, 412-922-2874. 412-922-2874 if you want to call in. Go ahead. Chime in. There's a joke somewhere about Pitt making the Sun Belt Conference. Yes, the Sun Belt Conference. And then literally, literally merging the into the Sun. Yes, merging into the Sun. See, I don't think Pitt basketball, with the way things are going right now, like I think they might be the one thing repelling the Sun. Like I think the Sun might be like, God, no, stop. I mean, it is a big round object, so they probably can't yeah. grab it. I, You know, I, obviously everybody knows I like uh, Adam Crowley, who you may have heard. Uh, has his own show, yet I'm here all the time. I'm here all the time now. Like, does the guy ever work? I mean, what was it? Like, last week he was getting his belly button pierced. Like, I got to bring up one of my friends from Carson City, one of the one of the lovely bartenders here. Because I got to ask, like, what kind of man gets his belly button pierced? 
Like, I've never been known as a bastion of masculinity, although I'm, you know, I'm rocking a really cool goatee and a flannel shirt right now, so I'm at least posing well, but, you know, my belly button's never been pierced. Like, that's just not a bet you make. And it's not a bet you own up to, by the way. That's one of those ones where, like, you know, I'm just going to pay. I'll buy you a steak. You know, you know, I'll buy you a Russian wife. You know, I'll buy you sunscreen for that fiery ball that's coming our way. But I'm not getting my belly button pierced. What if the sun does, like, heap down upon us in a fiery rage? And Adam has to go knowing he has that belly button ring. Like, that's a, that's a lousy way to go. What if he's on Madden show right now being sacrificed by the radio gods because of the belly button ring? That can't be pleasant either. Like, I've had tattoos, i got to tell you. Those rings, they are not fun. But the point is, I don't enjoy, even though I'm a West Virginia grad like Adam, I don't enjoy the woe that has become pit basketball. Like, I used to really, I didn't have a rooting interest, but when pit basketball was rolling, that made for much more entertaining winners around here. You know, when the Pete was like a place you people were camping out to get into and I understand, you know, it wasn't the same when Pitt went to the Big East or Pitt left the Big East to go to the ACC. I totally get that, you know. Rivalries die hard. But there was something about like mid February that really just felt special around here. You know, like, the Super Bowl would end, February would roll around, and you'd be like, okay, now we're getting into the pit basketball schedule. And like, you would seemingly have this alternating sequence where you'd have, like, the Pens playing and then pit basketball. Pens, Pens, pit basketball. Like, you, you kind of, now it's just like, okay, get us to the next Penguins game. You know? And it's, it's not cool. Because, like, I mean, if we're going to count on the other basketball teams in town, it's, you know, as great as it would be to see Duquesne back in the tournament, it would be fantastic. Let's face it, it's a little bit bigger deal than because the last time Duquesne was in the tournament, for anybody to remember that, they're probably dead. Or they're too old to have memories anymore. I mean, like, Duquesne hasn't been in the NCAA tournament since, you know, they were letting people shoot steroids before football games. I mean... You know, it was like, you know, Lyle Alzado was like a baby the last time they were in it. Like, Lyle Alzado was relevant. You're like, who is Lyle Alzado? You were just talking about people that had their belly button pierced. That's all. But my point is, I miss pit basketball. And I am curious for anybody out there uh, listening. How much do you miss pit basketball being relevant? If you're just a casual sports fan in Pittsburgh, right? You're not necessarily a Pitt graduate. I know you guys miss Pitt basketball being relevant. Although, if you'd have stopped griping when Pitt basketball was relevant about Pitt basketball not being relevant enough, perhaps Pitt basketball would still be relevant today, but that's neither here nor there. Kind of like Pitt basketball. But, let's just say you're a casual fan who likes sports. Let's just say you're one of these people that doesn't like to go outside much in this weather. Maybe you're a homebody. Maybe you're, maybe you're a great cook and you just like cooking dinner for the wife and kids and sitting down with a nice adult soda pop and enjoying a good college basketball game. Maybe you want to watch one last collegiate event before the fiery ball crashes into your earth and kills you in your clean sheets, for whatever reason. Do you just miss pit basketball being relevant? 
talking about just qualifying for the tournament. I'm just talking about relevancy. Like, having that big feel when a team came into town and feeling like, you know, Oakland was the place to be on that night. There was a vibe that came through on television, the, the Oakland Zoo, the Pete, like all of these things. And I think we got spoiled by it, to be perfectly honest. We got real spoiled in that, what, eight to ten year run where it was just like Pitt had really good teams. People always wanted them to get more. But, you know, as I always say, if you're a sports fan and you're in this for the result, you are always going to be disappointed. You're always going to be disappointed. If you can enjoy the journey a little bit and realize that's what the attraction should be, the truth is, sports fans don't think of this, but what's more fun? The Stanley Cup playoff run or seeing the Penguins win the Stanley Cup? Like, what do you enjoy more? You know, like, seeing your team win a championship is sort of like having sex for the first time. It seems awesome. It's just this rush, this relief. You're like, yeah! And then you're like, ah. Oh. Like, what do we do now? They've got a trophy. We'll have a parade. Then you got to start having discussions. Like, well, what do we do now? Like, I mean, it's the build-up, right? Like, the build-up is where it's at. You know, like, that Stanley Cup every other night where you're, like, you know, emotionally committed to something. That's what it is. You don't like an overtime goal in the playoffs. You like the overtime. It's that rush of knowing any sh shot can win this game, right? I think Pitt fans always got caught up in the end result. Pitt basketball fans. It's always about the end Couldn't get past Sweet 16. They, they, we missed enjoying the moment. Like under Howland and Dixon, we had a lot of good moments, even if you were just a casual fan here in Pittsburgh, right? And we aren't getting those moments now. And I got to be honest, I'd rather have those moments and have you guys complaining about they can't get past a certain level than I would this. Because y'all thought once Jamie Dixon goes, you know, somebody's going to, Pitt's a great job. <sighs> the Pitt job kind of was like the President of the United States job. Like, it seemed like a good thing to go after. And then you're like, maybe nobody really wants this job. Like, maybe it's like, oh, okay, well, give it to this person. Apparently it won't be Nancy Pelosi because she's apparently running for something in PA based off commercials and stuff. But my point is, like, everybody says, I would like to grow up to be the president. No, you wouldn't. Why would you want to grow up to be the president? Like, that's a lousy job. I mean, if you want to grow up to be a basketball coach, yeah, you know, like John Calipari. Hey, man, I'd love to have a Kentucky job. That's a blue butt. Hey, Pitt? Huh. That's not a knock on Pitt. Like, I'm a West Virginia grad. Like... It's not a destination job. We're just lucky that Bob Huggins was a WVU grad. And that apparently he's got Keith Richards' liver. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's not a destination gig. And you had a good guy there that was taken. I'm not saying this is all uh, the fault of the current regime, right? I mean, I, I, don't, I don't put this all on. I don't put this all on Jamie Dixon. And I don't put this on his predecessor. Or excuse me, his, um, his follow-upper? I don't even know. I'm losing words now. I don't put this on anybody. I'm just saying 
that whether you're Kevin Stallings or Jamie Dixon or whomever, this wasn't a destination gig, and now, now, we don't even have February to enjoy. All you people were worried about March. Well, you took February away from me. As a single guy approaching his 40s who knows Valentine's Day is coming up, I got to tell you, I'm kind of ticked off you took February away from me. I didn't have much to look forward to. Now I have nothing except these $2 drafts from 5 to 7 here at the Carson City Saloon where the Adam Crowley Show comes to you live from. I'm Rob Rossi, in for Adam, and we'll be back on ESPN Pittsburgh. Nonsense. I mean, I think this is a very important issue. I'm hoping that some of the customers that have started to come into the Carson City Saloon will venture upstairs and, and provide answers. If you knew the world was going to end tonight while you were sleeping, if you knew that was going to be the case, would you put clean sheets on your bed? To me, it's not even a question. Yes. Because I'd like to sleep through the end of the world. And I sleep better with clean sheets. Like, who doesn't? I mean, think about how... Think about people that don't change their sheets like more than once a week. Like, think about what you do in your bed. You sweat, you sleep, you're shedding, you're like... And that's just without company. Like, I never understood why people would get upset if, like, after you have a interesting evening, so to speak. People like, oh, isn't it insulting to change the shit? Well, while they're there, but, like, like you got a stranger in your bed. Yeah, you're going to change the sheets, especially if you're planning on having a stranger the next night. I mean, you know, but, but even so, it's like, i got to sleep here. I've always thought it would make more sense to have, like, a bed for activity and then a bed for sleeping. Like, what you should really do is have, like, your, have an, you have your bed, right? But it's like there's this middle area, and then up through the floor rising would be these other areas that turn it into, like, a room-length bed, right? And that's where you can sleep. But that middle area is for cardiovascular activity, right? Like, if I was Bruce Wayne, that's what I would have spent money on. Not at the bat suit. Not like the, you know, the Bataram. Like, give me this giant bed. You know, the bat bed. That's what I did. But, but the point is, you know, the intro says, you know, the, the intro cast doubt on the importance of this question. It's a very important question. 412-922-2874 is the number to get in here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is the Adam Crowley Show. I am Rob Rossi. Follow us on the Twitter machine at ESPN Radio Pittsburgh. Follow me at real underscore Rob Rossi. And follow the crowd down here to Carson City Saloon. We have a happy hour going on right now. We got $2 for any draft beer and $5 appetizers. You got to get in on that. Food's great. Drinks are great. Company's great. Everything's great. I don't know why you wouldn't want to be here. All right, we are going to talk to Bob Grove, Penguins historian, in the next segment. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, talk a little bit about the Mark Andre Fleury return, where he rates in history, and go into a little bit about trade deadlines past. But you know, we were talking about trades. That's sort of been the if it's possible to have a theme of this show. Trades have trades at least been the one consistent thing we've most talked about. 
And I miss the days where the NHL trade deadline was a big deal. I miss the days when you could wake up the week before the NHL deadline, especially the day of, and be like, wow, did you see that? Let me, story time with Uncle Rob here, okay? I'm at the Nassau County Coliseum. This is 2008. And I'm in the visitor's locker room, which is about the size of a closet. And if you forget to position a curtain the way a curtain would want to be positioned, and you walk out the door at the wrong angle to the hallway, and you turn your head quickly, you can see the toilets, which can be a problem if you're not really watching where you're going. But I digress. That's a story for the it's a story for the Adam Crowley show after dark. So it's two thousand and eight. I'm at a morning skate on the island and Colby Armstrong and I are talking as we were wont to do back then. Colby goes, uh, so uh, Ross, uh, what uh, what are you hearing? And I'm like, just shaking my head. No, no, don't ask me don't ask me what I'm hearing and he's like, What are you hearing? And I'm like, Oh, nothing. Hey, uh, is this still your number? And I pull out my BlackBerry at the time and show him the cell phone number that I have. I'm covering the Penguins for the trip at this time, right? He's like, yeah, well, I'm like, no reason. Just in case I need to get in touch with you later this afternoon, I want to make a... Well, what are you hearing? Well, I'm obviously not not hearing something, Colby, right? I'm hearing something. Well, what are you hearing? Well, I don't know if what I'm hearing is true, so I don't want to get your hopes up. But, you know, I don't want to leave. You think they're going to trade me? Well, I mean, I just asked if this was still your number, so I mean, I'm thinking, yeah, probably this, you know. Now, Colby's been hit on the head a lot. Back in the day, he and I both were known to have elbow problems because we bent it a bit. So, you know. So he jokes, he goes, what do you think? They're going to trade me for Hossa? Well, no, nobody thought that. So, we're now in this little room Myself, Dave Molinari with the Post-Gazette, two Penguins beat writers at that point, he and I. I, with the, I was with the Trib, Dave is with the Post-Gazette, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're making calls, trying to get in touch. You know, In the final hours of the trade deadline, you're not going to get your GM on the phone that, that calls you. You're not going to get a whole lot of people in the team to get back to you. So now you're pretty much calling agents, texting with players, texting with equipment people, like anybody that might be hearing something, right? And we're... Now, we're watching the Canadian feed, I think it was TSN at the time, on this television, along with some other New York reporters who were in this little room. The Islanders had provided us with cold cuts, which was actually quite nice of them because the Islanders used to make you pay for everything. Um, If you got uh, coffee, they would make you pay for it. Like, you couldn't just get coffee. You know, freeloading sports writers were used to being, like, taken care of with, you know, stale meats and coffees and that. But this was nice. We got stale meats and coffee. So, for the trade deadline, we're watching, and... You know, they're talking about this team in on Marion Hosa and that team in on Marion. Never heard the Penguins. Never. So, of course, two minutes before the trade deadline expires, and they're like, Marion Hosa's been traded to the Penguins. We're all like, huh? Because we hadn't heard that was coming. Then you see on the details of the TV, and you get the. You get the <laughs> text message on your phone. 
why didn't you tell me? And you're like, Colby, dude, like, I didn't think you were being traded for Hosa. Like, nobody did. You know, and of course, in the end, the deal ends up being Colby Armstrong and Eric Christensen and Angelo Esposito, who was like a first-round pick of the Penguins the year before and another first-round pick for Marion Hosa and Pascal Dupuis. The joke in this being, of course, <laughs> Pascal Dupuis ends up being the guy that ends up being a long-term winger for Sidney Crosby, not Marion Hosa. But now suddenly Marion Hosa is coming to Pittsburgh, right? And... That's great, because you're trying to find out this story, but then you realize, like, there are two guys leaving. So Colby and Eric were with the team at the time, right? And they're now being walked to the bow- through the bowels of the Nassau County Coliseum to the exit where they staged the buses to, you know, the team's take. And they're getting, on a, they're getting in a private car to be taken to the airport so they can join up with the uh, Atlanta Flames. Or, excuse me, the Atlanta Thrashers, yes. They used to be the Atlanta Flames. That's why I said this. So, the Atlanta Thrashers. So, like, we're chasing uh, we're chasing them down, Dave and I. And, like, they're, like, they're, like, shocked. I mean, they are shocked. So, um, I think the thing you don't think about on trade deadline is the suddenness of it. Everybody thinks these deals come together on a slow period of time like they've been working on. They actually come together fast. I remember hearing about how that deal by Ray Shiro for Marion Hosa ends up happening in about 10 minutes. You know, like, all right, what's your best offer? Okay, see, I can top that. Let me get my owner on the phone. Boom, boom, boom. You know, I remember Chuck Fletcher was a Penguins assistant GM at the time going, yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Like, Ray had, like, three phones working at once. He's like, we're trying to find out what this team's offering, what that team's offering, and we're trying to say, what can we do, what can we do? And it's like, you're just flying names out there. You basically got a list of names you don't want to mention. Like, all right, don't mention Crosby, Malkin, Flurry. That's it. Don't mention any of those. Everybody else, we can get Marion Osa, right? And so we're chasing you know, we're, we're walking besides these two guys that that morning were Pittsburgh Penguins, right? And you thought they're, they're kind of not big parts, but they're significant parts. Like, they were regulars. They were top nine guys for the Penguins. Now they're leaving. They're trying to process it. You know, they go from getting ready to – they had a nap, right? They get ready to eat their pregame meal to now going to Atlanta. Like, the death of hockey, you know. Like, they're going from, like – Everybody's talking about the Penguins, right? Everybody's talking about the Penguins in 2008 because they just got Marion Hosa, and it's like, wow, the Penguins are going after this. And you got these two guys going to Atlanta. And I just remember thinking, what an incredible day. Like, that happens a lot, right? Players get moved, and it's rarely in an example of a contender moves a player to another contender, right? It rarely happened that way. But that did happen a lot. Early in the salary cap era of the NHL, remember, salary cap's only been going on since 2005-06, right? So we're still, we're only into the second decade of this. But if you think about it, as the salary cap era has progressed. We've seen a regression of busy trade deadlines in the National Hockey League. 
we see fewer and fewer big deals. Part of that's because a lot of these players aren't available. They sign contracts. Their second contract becomes a long-term deal. They sign what essentially amounts to mass, max deals. Excuse me. So they're not up. You don't have guys becoming big free agents. And when you don't have guys playing out the final year of their deal, you don't have these guys that sort of get moved as rental players. And you can still fix guys into your team. You can still acquire a piece that you need. But it's rarer now. I mean, think about this. If you're a Penguins fan right now, if you're a, a, just an NHL fan, how many times has the trade deadline come and gone the last five years where you've been, like, at work and you're following your Twitter and following your social media and you're like, boy, this nothing happened. Like, you get to the point now where, like, trade deadline's over at 3 o'clock and, like, but trades can still be announced. And you're like, please announce something. Like, please announce something. Like, the Rangers traded, like, an old skate for somebody else's old helmet. Like, nothing happened today. Like, nothing. Like, Yuki Yosinen gets moved, and it's like, woo, Yuki Yosinen. Like, Yuki Yosinen, excuse me. He gets moved so much that we actually call him Yuki. I don't know why I call him Yuki. I cover him. Yuki Yosinen. But that's my point. Like, it's like the Yosinens of the world that you get excited about. Like, even when... Even when Jerome McGinley got traded by the Penguins, it wasn't like the Jerome McGinley. It was like the Penguins are giving up nothing to get Jerome McGinley. Ooh, you know, like as opposed to, man, the Penguins gave up Mark Recchi and Paul Coffey to bring Rick Tockett and Shell Samuelson and Ken Reggett here. Like, that was a three-team deal. Like that was, that was bonkers, right? And that was the year after they traded their leading scorer at the time, Cullen, and a deal that brought Ron Francis and Olaf Samuelson. Like, we just thought, this is how it's done. You, like, make these major moves. Fewer and fewer major moves to be made. I don't think it's a good thing for hockey. Let's face it. The NHL's problem is this. In the places where the NHL is popular, it's wildly popular. You could not walk down a street on the south side right now and kick a kid... And one out of every three of those kids that you kick would be wearing a Penguin jersey. Now, I'm not endorsing you walk down the street, walk down Carson Street, and kick children. But if you were, those children would probably be wearing some sort of Penguins paraphernalia. Hockey's huge in Pittsburgh. What about these cities where it's not? Where they're, they're still not into it? The trade deadline's at least a moment of excitement. At least in the NBA, where, like, two teams have a chance to win... The whole thing, yesterday, there was excitement around the league because at least my lousy team might be getting new lousy players back and they'll have cap space. You don't see that in the NHL. And it's a drag. There's more big trades in the NFL season now than there is the NHL season. That's not good for the growth of the NHL. Neither was sending players to the Olympics. They stopped doing that, too. So, All right, when we come back, the great Bob Grove will be joining us here on ESPN Pittsburgh. You know, every time you hear Adam's voice, even on the lead-ins, it does make you wonder how he remains employed in this role. Especially when you can hear my voice instead, right? I mean, you either get Adam Crowley, eh, 
or Rob Rossi, which is a slight upgrade from, huh. So, you want a significant upgrade here at ESPN Pittsburgh, though? You ready for a significant upgrade? There is only one man who can say he has never been asked a question about the Pittsburgh Penguins to which he did not know the answer. Never in the entire history of this great franchise has my next guest been asked a question to which he did not know the answer. And I'm going to get him on this first one. I am going to get him on this first one. I promise you I'm going to get him. I've been thinking about it for a couple of weeks now, and I'm going to get him. So, without further ado, joining the Adam Crowley Show, because Rob Rossi is guest hosting the Adam Crowley Show, is the one and the only Grover Bob Grove. Follow him on the Twitter machine, at BobGrove91. Grover, how are you, my friend? I'm doing very well, Rob. You're such a liar. (laughs) <laughs> I'm a liar. You mean you're not going to get the answer to this question? Oh, I've been stumped many times. But, All right. Uh, well, I got one I, for I you today. I got one for you today, Grover, and I was I was trying to think about this. Who are the three players in Penguins history to play for the team, leave the team, and then come back to the team And do it again. <laughs> and then you mean just do like three stints, the... like three stints, oh, like at three least three stints with the three team. Stints. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark Recchi is one of them. Right. Uh, Dennis Heron is another one. Ah, he got the one I wasn't going to get. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Recchi, and there's another obvious one that. Uh, God, other than Recchi. Oh, I might get him! I might get him! You've got the rest of the segment to think about this, because I think I know okay. this answer. It'll, okay. Yeah, but... Yeah. It drove me nuts the other day. I did not get Dennis Heron, so... Um, yeah, De- yeah, Denny. Yeah, he was great. All right, Grover, we were just talking about this um, last segment. And, I, you know, when you covered the Penguins, the NHL trade deadline, or the NHL trade deadline period, it, it was a lot more fruitful. And maybe we got spoiled in the early 90s. But I just feel like the big hockey trade, there's almost an entire generation that's experiencing life without knowing what it's like. Do you mourn the loss of the in-season big hockey trade? I'm talking big, oh. not just – I mean, I'm talking big. Yes, absolutely I do. It's, I mean, it's, it's so uh, – for fans, it's just – it's so much fun because number one, you can debate it till the end of time. Usually, right? You can, right. You can you can have the the trade day debates of, about it, and then you have the people who say, "Well, you can't really judge a trade right today. You've got to wait and see what happens." So the thing just goes on and on and on, and you know, you get not only you know how does it impact the club from an X and O basis, but how does it impact the locker room, the dressing room? I mean, the whole thing. Um, you know, uh, so. When those big trades happen, oh my God, the, the buzz that it created in the hockey community is just off the charts, and they're so much fun to be part of. I mean, you would know that, right? Well, I would, and we're talking with the great Bob Grove here, Penguins Historian. You can also check out his stuff at PGH Hockey Now. Uh, Grover, I go back to my childhood uh, in that 91 team that won the Cup, and I remember... Yeah, I mean, it, they won the Stanley Cup. It was the first time we saw the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. I was a kid, so that's going to be exciting, right? But I just remember walking into school the day after they acquired Ron Francis, and uh, my history teacher, uh, James Quantz, 
you know, knew I was a hockey fan, me and one of my friends, and he pulled us aside. It was like, the Penguins just won the Stanley Cup yesterday with that trade. Yeah. Like, like, what are you talking about? And he's explaining, like, you know, I knew who Ron Francis was, but, I mean, back then you didn't see every game. You know, you didn't, you know, if you followed things, it was more through hockey cards. Like, I just remember, like, a history teacher telling me, like, explaining to me why this was good, because I was thinking, like, man, they just traded their leading scorer. This is, like... You know, what are mm-hmm. they doing? So, like, I just feel like when you had, maybe it was a bygone era, but I also feel like in the 90s, and certainly up till the point of the salary cap era, I just feel like that was something maybe we took for granted throughout hockey. And it's really hard now to do a deal. It's really hard. I don't think people realize to do a deal that just fits a need is really tough. To do one of those big deals you don't have the option of doing a three-team deal anymore. It almost never happens. No. I mean, the salary cap is just taking care of that, right? I mean, it just it, it completely limits you. And, look, it's not, only, it's not only the salary cap, Rob, but it's this tendency over the last how many years by NHL GMs to give anybody and everybody no-trade clauses, either right. full or limited, right? So I mean, GMs just get paralyzed by the clauses in contracts. They get paralyzed by the, the, you know, the cap and – you know, people say, well, look, not every team spends to the cap. Look, take a look around the league. Most teams now are pretty – they're either at the they're at the limit or they're very, very close to it. So it, then when you got to start working out, you know, imagine, you know, so 20 years ago you're making a trade and you're trying to work out how, how this trade can help both teams and address all the different you needs you're Paul trying Coffey's to coming to the Penguin? Like, you think he was high on – you think if he they had no trade cla- or list back then, the Penguins would have been on it? Well, maybe, you know, with, but because of Mario, well, with, but, but with, with Mario here, I mean, right? You know, but when he signed that contract right. with Edmonton, you know, correct? He, right. I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, think about what the New York Rangers Grover have to do right now. They're trying to deal Rick Nash, and Rick Nash holds a big, big hand in this. Yes, yeah, he absolutely does. I mean, they're they're ready to tear. Basically, as they fold their fans, you know, right. kind of tear up the team. So it's not it's not only Nash, but you know, McDonough. I don't know if he's going to go to the deadline or over the summer, or you know, what's going to happen with him, Grabner, right? So they're going to move all these guys, and for Rick Nash, he gets to he gets to pick and choose, and yeah, that that really limits your ability to get what you need if you're the New York Rangers. But you know, they're going to have to just take what they can get with them. So yeah, it's the days of that are, are long gone and it's too bad because they were a lot of fun. And you know what, you could even weigh in when other teams the, right. the fans. If it wasn't even your team, but somebody else was making an eight player trade, you're like, Oh my God, you know, debating it with your buddies and stuff. It was always fun. Grover I wonder your thoughts on this. And we're talking with the great Bob Grove. Follow him on the Twitter at Bob Grove ninety one. We used to call it the dead puck era, right? The late 90s, the early 2000s. The salary cap era has been like the dead roster era. Like, rosters stay the same now. There aren't five-year plans because there's almost no opportunity to overhaul your roster without fully committing to a rebuild. There's like no middle ground anymore. Yeah, I, I uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It's 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 very hard. Yeah. So um, that's not good for the sport. That really isn't because well, if you have a situation like like we're looking at a situation right now, Grover, and I get it. You want new teams in the league. You want new you want new blood in the playoffs. But New York, Philadelphia, Detroit, 
they're in sort of roster hell right now. They're mm-hmm. not going to be in the playoffs. All of a sudden, a lot of pressure on Pittsburgh or Boston, if you're the NHL offices, to get one of those teams to go deep into the playoffs. Because otherwise, in the East, where you want the eyeballs, there aren't marquee teams in terms of market uh, market interest. Yeah, I, I hear you. So, but you know, as much as the cap is is sapped some of that away, the the cap though, Rob, here's the other piece of it has has created a parity that we've never seen before. Has I it mean, though, Grover? I mean, think about the teams like Pittsburgh, Chicago, and LA have combined for eight of the Stanley Cup championships in the cap era. So, is it an illusion of parity? No, I, I no, okay. I, I think it's absolutely no. I think it's absolutely, and your your point is well taken. So it's still a limited number of teams who have gone right to the end and got it done and, and carried the cup around at the end. But if you look to, at the build up, if you look through the playoff brackets in those years, um, and, and the the you know how hard it is to get in uh, because of the competition just to get in anymore, and then you know once you get in, anything can happen. Look. Just look at the standings. I mean, look at the look at the Metro standings. Look how, right. how many points separate second place from seventh place. I mean, that's just a winning streak away from going from one at the, the bottom to the top of that list of six teams. So I that's really why I do. commend I really the Rangers for their decision, Grover. That can't have been easy. No, but uh, it, it also isn't easy. You know, going into every year, no one looks like. They do some of these years, and this is a prime example, but I think so was last year. Uh, look, if you're Jeff Gordon, you, you know in the back of your mind, you, you're not Stanley Cup material. Right. You're not. You're not. It's so, a tough thing to so tell so your I, fan I, base, though. Right. Well, <laughs> they're going to sell out every game no matter what. Right. And, 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 right. So I would say I would have a lot of respect for a guy who says, look, I, I'm, I'm not okay with being good. I want to try to be great. And if that means I have to take two steps backwards before I can stay, take four steps forward, then just go 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 at it. Just to have at it and do it. Nah, I think that's so. I'm all for that. Bob Grove, uh, noted Penguin historian. You can follow his work, uh, PGH Hockey Now. Follow him on the Twitter at Bob Grove ninety one Grover. I want your thoughts on Mark Andre Fleury, if you can, not from a good guy perspective. We all know he was a great guy. Just from an importance to the franchise perspective, because I think sometimes it gets lost just what he was able to do for this franchise. As a guy who knows the history of this franchise, where where yeah. do you rate him? Well, he's the greatest goalie in team history. That's for starters. I mean, right. that's a no-brainer, right? It's not even close. Um, he's you know he's better than Barrasso. Uh, and he's the only other guy you could really put up there in, in that conversation. So when I think about Mark Andre Fleury, when I think about his importance, so the Penguins swung a deal to get the first pick in 2003. As you know, Rob, very few goaltenders get taken first overall. There's a ton of pressure on those guys. Um, and Mark Andre Fleury was able to, as as the, as Craig Patrick then said about. You know, making the other draft picks in Crosby and Malk and, and Stahl and, you know, the people who, uh, ended up making the Penguins the skilled team that they were as they went on to the, the cup in 2009. Um, you needed somebody to take care of the other end of the ice. Right. 
and he was and he was the guy. So you don't it just just like people. There are people who try to try to downplay Barrasso's role in '91 and '92. Sorry, right? You absolutely had to have him. And and and, and they'll say, well, look at the scores. He was giving up three and four. I, I don't care. Uh, he didn't give up five was, when they scored six, or he didn't exactly. give up five when they scored five. He would make the he would make the saves that needed to be made to win, and that's the thing about Mark Andre Fleury. It's you, you know you can look at his numbers, Rob, the goals against, the save percentage, all that stuff, and so the no, wins. they're not at the top of the list. But wins—that's what it's about, man. Winning yep. games, and Mark Andre Fleury was a winner. Right. He won games, and he was the guy who, uh, when the Penguins had defensive breakdowns, and, and, and that team, you know, he would bail them out many, many times, including in the playoffs. So you had to have that. You know, you just absolutely had to have it. You did, Grover. Hey, great insight as always. Follow him at Bob Grove ninety one. Follow me at Real underscore Rob Rossi, and get down to Carson City Saloon for the final hour of the Adam Crowley Show here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Thanks, Grover. Thanks. Get up and join 970 Saturday mornings at 9 for Penn's Week. Oh, Michael, Michael Motorcycle. It's an inside look at the Pittsburgh Penguins that takes you behind the scenes and gives you the inside story on the Penguins. Listen, we got a good hockey team here, and, you know, we, we have people that we know we can win with. It's Penn's Week Saturday mornings at 9. Oh, I just want to see it still sliding sideways in Sausalito. Exclusively on your home of the Penguins, ESPN Pittsburgh at 970 a.m. and now at 106.3 FM.